I love the energy of that song. I feel like I should have a pair of spoons to like play on my knee while I'm listening. It's, it's one of my favorite Credence songs because I grew up in Illinois, so when we go back home there for the holidays, then when I come back to Cincinnati, I can say, just got home from Illinois. Start singing that song about how weird stuff is out there. Because I don't know about you, sometimes you open the door to the rest of the world and it looks crazy out there. Do you ever feel like the world is going crazy, like it's just weird? Talk about weird. The Bengals not only won their first playoff game in 31 years, they won their first road playoff game ever. That's crazy. <laughs> Who day? I'm, I'm a Bills fan, so I'm really hoping we meet you in the AFC Championship next week. But I like watching the Bengals have fun. That's some of the good stuff, right? But there's other times you open that door and you look out and you think, who would have thought? Like, this is how crazy the world is. We're still talking about COVID-19 in 2022. Or maybe there's stuff just going on in your own life that just feels like it's all ramping up. And maybe I'll just close that door and stay inside. But, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about in this series called Doors is this idea that there may be a door that God puts in your life. That's not meant to be a barrier, but actually an opportunity. That if you could just get a foot in that door, you might find the kinds of blessings that the core message of the Bible is describing for you. And if you're like me, sometimes when I think about that door, I'm afraid that if I crack that door open, like if there's a door that leads to some greater understanding of God, what if I peek through that door and it's all like tambourines and elephants kind of stuff? statues wearing high heels and it just looks weird out there like if i believe that i'm gonna go and spend time with god what, what does that even mean what kind of rules is he going to ask me to follow am i going to become some kind of weird version of myself and, and what if i lose this personal freedom that i've really been enjoying i like my life the way it is but what if through that door is a free ride to a life of forgiveness of peace, of freedom, where no matter how crazy things get, you can have confidence in a God who cares for you. Can you get your foot in that door to a free ride? So how do we take that free ride? How do I get a door, a foot, into the door of freedom? Well, when Jesus was living on earth, he answered that question by sharing an illustration. And so I just want to read you a little bit of this. And, and don't worry about following along. Just kind of listen. And don't worry if you can't get it all. It's a little bit strange. This is what he said. He's talking to some people one day. And he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Which like what in the world does that mean and what does that have to do with anything? How is this the answer to where do we find freedom? So I love that literally a couple sentences later, John, who's writing this book about the life of Jesus, says that Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And I love this because... He's talking to the religious leaders. Like, if anybody knows the Bible and should understand God's message to the world, it's these guys, and they hear Jesus talk, and they don't get it. 
What I love about that, for me, maybe for you too, if you ever pick up the Bible and try to read something and feel like, I don't get it, I don't understand what that means, and I don't know what it has to do with me, that was kind of weird, you're in good company. (laughs) That's like all of us. In fact, that's one of the things that I loved when I first came to Horizon, that when you come to our weekend experiences, like this exploring service, you know, when you show up to a, a men's study or you try out a study for women, sometimes you'll hear us use the phrase that all of those things are no prior Bible knowledge required. Because think about it. In Jesus' own life, he never made anybody pass a quiz about the Bible before they could come and talk to him and see what he's all about. God never made anybody pass an entrance exam before they could come and explore him. And in fact, rather than leaving us confused, Jesus is going to work through this illustration and explain exactly what he means for us. And so if you look at, these are the verses that I just read to you, but what I wanted to highlight is when we started talking about this series about doors, when we start looking at the opportunities in our lives, the kind of door that you might open that for you could be life-changing. For some, like we looked at through history last week, they can be world-changing. And then I'm reading about the life of Jesus, and I see this. You can imagine how he talks about the door, the door, and the doorkeeper. And that jumped out at me. Because you see, what Jesus is trying to say is that there is a door to freedom. There's a door to something that he calls the abundant life. Like, not just getting through, but that it could be filled with blessing from God. With peace, no matter what circumstances are like. With forgiveness, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. With repair in relationships, not only with God, but with people around us. And it's all through that door. And so as Jesus describes this, you notice it says up at the top there, most assuredly, I say to you. That's significant. Because part of what he's trying to help people understand is that there are a whole lot of ideas about how to get to God. That if heaven is a real place, and if I have the chance to go there instead of, like, the other place, well then, yeah, I I would like to know. I'm not convinced about that yet. I'm not sure I'm buying into that thing. But if that's real, how do you get there? What does that door look like? How do I walk through? And Jesus is painting this picture for them That you don't want to listen to a thief or a robber who says, well, this is the way. You've got to earn it from God. Well, that is the way. There's a million gods. Pick your own. Well, there is no God. We all just make of our lives what we make of it. Because if it's true that there is only one door, then Jesus wants us to find it, not to listen to all these other voices that would sell us short. And so he begins to talk about the door, but he says, I say to you. Right? That if God really is who he says he is, isn't he the one who would know? Don't we want to listen to him? And so rather than like a a guilt trip or a burden, the idea is that there's an invitation here. And the first invitation is to let God show you the door. Now, depending where you're at this morning, well, you're at Horizon Community Church or you're watching online, so you know where you're at. But where are you in terms of how you think about God? Is he out there? Is he maybe out there? Is he loving? Is he mad at you? And we all have this picture of who God is in our minds or who he might be. But God is saying, let me speak for myself. That if he really is who he says he is, 
If the Bible really is his word to us to help him understand who he is, how he thinks about us, what he wants for us, then he says, instead of all the voices that might be around you, all the things that the culture might speak or the politics might speak or your friend might say or your parents told you, what does God actually say? What would it look like to let God do the talking? And a couple of years ago, I was kind of working through this with a buddy of mine, and it was interesting because he came to me really interested in spiritual things, wanted to try to understand more about God. And so we sat down for lunch, and he started asking me all these questions. And often that is like, you know, where did the world come from, and how do we know God's real, and how do we know the Bible's true, and well, don't, don't people try to mess with the Bible? And you know, sometimes it's those questions. His questions were, well, if I decided to follow Jesus, like if I became a Christian, is that the right word? Um, like, like, do I have to stop drinking? <laughs> and it was like this whole list of like kind of just different, like, here, here's the rules I'm thinking about that I'm not totally sure I want to follow or exactly what they might look like. So could you let me know what some of them are so I can sort of make my decision? And what was really interesting as the conversation went on was he sort of realized for himself those weren't really his real questions. Because yes, that's in there. Like there are things in, in the Bible where God asks us to obey because he knows what's best for us, you know, just like you do for your kids. And you say, look, if you just take my word for it, like trust me, you don't want to lie to your mom and you don't want to hit your brother. Like it, it will be better if you live life the way I'm, I'm describing. But he, what he realized was he was trying to get to know God better, but he was keeping God at arm's length because he was thinking more about what rules, what rituals, what other things, and putting, almost like making that a filter between him and God. And so ultimately what he decided was, um, I think I got to set those things aside, and, and maybe I just need to read the Bible. Maybe I need to pick up a book like John and just see what Jesus actually says. Get to know who God is and let him speak for himself. You see, what I love about that approach is that the message of the Bible, in one sense, is a really kind of like low-risk, high-reward proposition. That when you come to Scripture, when you, when you say, all right, I'll, I'll pick up the Bible, I'll give it a shot, I'll, I'll read one of those biographies of Jesus. Okay, God, if you are out there, then I'm not even sure that I'm saying this to you because I'm not convinced yet, but if you are out there, help me find you. Help, like, show yourself to me. Let me help me understand this. But the reward that can follow from that lasts forever. And so for his journey, he began digging into the Bible itself. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's really similar to what Martin Luther went through. You know, Chad kind of shared with us Martin Luther's history last week and how his decision to kind of stand up to the religious leaders, much like Jesus was, and say, yeah, but what does God say? Not only changed his life as somebody who struggled mightily with trying to be good enough because the bible will tell you that's one of the main thieves and robbers of joy and peace is if somebody tells you that the way you get in the way you get through the door is being good enough he tried he couldn't do it then he started reading the bible and so martin luther actually came up with these five kind of core beliefs he said that when he read the Bible, he found that it wasn't about being good enough. That his truth needs to come from Scripture alone. So that's basically just like, let God speak for himself. Because what he found in there 
What, what God had actually said, forget what all the voices around him were saying, is that the road to forgiveness, the door to heaven, to getting right with God, to having a relationship with him was grace alone. A free gift, a free ride from God's goodness. And how do you get that? Through faith alone. By believing God through Christ alone. That there's no other way but through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That when you read this, the main message of the Bible is that every single one of us has disobeyed and rebelled against God in different ways, even if we didn't realize we were doing it. And that those things deserve consequences. That a good God has to deal with those things. But that he also loves you so much, he was willing to take the consequences himself. And that gives glory to God alone. And so for him, everything became focused on what was the main message of the Bible speaking about how I get right with God. About how I have a relationship with God. So much like my friend Martin Luther realized that if God is who he says he is, I need to hear his voice. Look at how Jesus puts that as he continues this illustration. So he's been using this picture of the door. Now he's combining it with this picture of sheep. We'll explain that in a minute, but get this sheep part first. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. So Jesus lives in a time and in a culture where cattle, flocks, sheep, sheep pens, like this is big business. In fact, still in that part of the world over in Israel, there are sheep and sheep herders and sheep pens all over the place. But this is an illustration that Jesus knew right away people understand sheep. And notice what he says. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. They're not just going to listen to any voice around them. Just if somebody yells at them, sheep, follow me. They're not going to do it unless it's the shepherd. So essentially what Jesus is inviting you and I to do, be as savvy as a sheep. Now, isn't that totally the opposite of how you think about sheep? Like, we use sheep as an insult. Like, if you've ever heard the term sheeple, like, that's because we think sheep follow blindly. And if somebody tells them what to do, they can't do critical thinking. They just follow and they're just sheep. And I'm not a sheep. But listen to what Jesus is saying. Because this is actually true about sheep. Sheep are incredibly intelligent. In fact, a sheep can recognize dozens of individual human voices. And sheep can recognize hundreds, if not thousands, of individual sheep. Like, when I look at sheep, a sheep is a sheep. Like, at best, one's a little bigger, right? But otherwise, they all look the same. But sheep can recognize individual sheep, and they can recognize individual voices. And so what Jesus is actually telling us is, you want to be savvy like that. You don't want to just listen to anybody. And whoever tells you something about God or something about the world or something about you, don't just listen to them because they they seem really sure about it. Like, prove it. Follow it up. Do the homework. Ask questions. Search God's word. To me, that was like the opposite of how I think about sheep. And what kind of changed that for me was when I was in grad school, I had a buddy who actually was a shepherd in Australia. 
and he was probably, he was probably late 40s when I met him, and he had had enough of being a shepherd <laughs> in Australia. He thought, I need a different career. So he came over to the States to get his graduate degree and, and work on some other things. And what was so interesting is he said, I mean, not knowing a thing about sheep, I'm like, oh yeah, man, that must have been frustrating. I heard sheep are so stupid. And he's like, oh, it was incredibly frustrating because they're so smart. He said, you spend so much time trying to convince the sheep that you're worth listening to. Because unless a sheep is absolutely convinced that you will protect them, that you will provide for them, and that if they follow you, you take them somewhere safe, they just won't follow you. I don't care. I don't have to trust you. I thought, you know what? There's something I really like about that. Because if that comes back around to a spiritual thing, like if somebody tells me, you know, this is how the universe works and this is what happens after you die and so you really need to uh, believe in Jesus and change your life. Absolutely, there's a part of me that is very, how, how, sh- how should I say, sheepish? I don't know. Sheep-like? Uh-huh. And why should I believe you? And as much as that can sound like a critical approach, I think there's something wise in that. Because what he learned as a, as a shepherd in Australia is that once the sheep knows the shepherd is trustworthy, then they'll follow him anywhere. In fact, I had a, a chance a couple years ago to be in Israel, where still they're, they're doing this stuff today. And they had a place that was set up, like kind of one of these historic village kind of things, that so was set up as if it was like a town in Jesus' day. And they had sheep pens. And so sometimes this is like an outcropping of rock that kind of creates a natural circle to keep the sheep safe. Sometimes it's a fence. But what I noticed that was really surprising, none of them had a door or a gate. There's just like this narrow opening that leads into the sheep pen. And I'm thinking, how do you keep the sheep from running away? Like, why, like wouldn't they all just leave? So here's what's amazing about it. The, the, uh, the shepherd that was there to explain this to us, what he told us was that the pen is not to lock the sheep in. The sheep actually have freedom to, to come and go from the sheep pen. The idea is that during the day, they get to roam the countryside and just enjoy life. But during the night, when it's dangerous, they follow the shepherd back into the sheep pen, and the shepherd himself lays down across the opening. The shepherd literally is the door that protects the sheep from danger. Because he lays down his life for the sheep. So with that picture in mind, Jesus begins to explain exactly why he's using this illustration. He says in the next couple lines, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I mean, I've heard Jesus is Savior. I've heard words like Messiah. They call him Christ. People say he's God. Jesus says, yes, 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 yes. And I am the door. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So I want you to hear this because this is one of those places where 
The Bible kind of flies in the face of a lot of things that we think as just humans, as people, as modern people. Because Jesus is saying, God loves you so much that he wants to make sure you know the door into a life of freedom. And not just into good advice, not just into like, well, yeah, a little more peace would be nice, God, if you're passing that out. I'll take some joy too, as long as we're at it. But he's talking about forever. That the Bible teaches that all of us go somewhere forever after we die. And that God wants all of us to go to heaven to hang out with him forever. And so Christianity, at its core, believes this message. That God has spoken to us through these pages. That Jesus is the door. Not a door, not one good possibility. Jesus is the door. And anybody who tells you you can get in any other way, man, they're selling you short. Anybody who pitches any other way to get right with God or to experience that kind of love, that kind of joy, that kind of peace, that kind of forgiveness, that can start right now and last forever, they're selling you short. And I don't know about you, but... That can be hard to hear. Like, if God is so good and God is so loving, why would he be so narrow-minded as to tell us that there's only one way? Only one way? Because there's a lot of people in the world and they believe a lot of things. There's only one way. But think about it like this. If it was true that there was only one way, would a good God not want to make sure you knew? And if it's true that Jesus is the only way to God, what you've got to understand is the, the way through is narrow. There aren't six openings in the sheep pen where we can all kind of find our own way in and we can't kind of try to climb over the fence. If, if there really is only one way, that way is narrow, but it's wide open to anyone. In fact, this book is filled with page after page after page of Oh, did you think people like that can't come through the door? I love people like that. Did you think I can't forgive somebody who's done that? Look at all the people I forgave who do things like that. Some of them are the most famous people in the Bible. The reality is there's only one way, but that way is wide open. And so his invitation is, why don't you come and just get a foot in the door? Get to know the door personally. And before hearing Jesus say that, I am the door, this is almost like nonsensical. Like, who, like I'm going to go hang out with my door today. I'm going to stare at the door and just think deep thoughts about the grain of the wood. No. He's using this metaphor to say, I am the way, and I want you to get to know me. Because here's one of the simplest ways to think about Jesus. Jesus is God showing you what he's like. See, that's really helpful for me because, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that I, I did. I grew up at church and I grew up with parents that, you know, are Christians. And, and I found in my life that I really struggled with how to think about God. And a lot of the time I didn't even know it. You know, some of the time this was like, I think I boiled my own religion as a kid and kind of growing up thinking about those things. I think I boiled it down to like, sit still and be a good boy. 
Just wait till everyone sees how still I can sit. Look at that good boy. He sits so still. <laughs> yes, I do. There's a lot of performance in it for me. Like, like if I can show that I'm, I'm, I'm that kid that God would like, I'm doing the right things, right? And the reality is, like, Jesus knows us so much better than that. Like, I, I can sit and be a good boy when everybody's looking, and then everyone will say, good boy. And then, like, what am I thinking, though? Like, how mean am I to other people inside my mind? And maybe I just wait till you're not around, and then I say it to this other guy. And just all kinds of things that the Bible would call sin that don't live up to God's standard. And actually, I wish I wasn't like that. Oh, but here comes people. Look how still I can sit. And so the picture is, that's one of the main things that Jesus is bringing against the religious leaders. Because they're telling people, if you sit really still, God will let you into heaven. I'm trying, man, but I haven't had anything to eat today. And like, my booty's starting to hurt a little bit. And like, can I just get up for a little bit and walk around? Sit still. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Jesus says, they are robbing you blind. They are selling you short. Like, there is so much more to God than that. And I kind of took that into my adult life. And I don't know, maybe you resonate with some of this. But, like, I'm, I'm an achiever. Like, that's built into my personality. So, like, the more I do, the more I can get done. And when I get stuff done, feels good. Like, the worst days of my week is the day you feel like you worked hard all day and went a little bit backwards. Well, then life is terrible, you know? And so I remember I, I had this t-shirt when I was playing basketball in high school. This was, like, our team shirt for the year. To be the best, you must work the hardest. No ifs, no buts, no excuses. Yeah! Love that. Like, of all this, we got a different shirt every year. That's the one I kept. I was like, that's going to be me. I'm going to work the hardest. I'm going to achieve it. And without realizing it, I took that into my relationship with God. And so what ended up happening was, there are many times in my life I look back now and I realize I kept God at arm's length while I went out to try to work the best and be the best and work the hardest, thinking once I achieved, I'd be able to show that to God. You know, like if today was my last day on earth and I stood before God, I would say, glad you're here, God. Let me show you all this stuff I managed to do. And please, can we not talk about these things? But God has something better for us and better for me and better for you. That God says, I know all of these negative things. I know things you can't even remember, stuff you didn't even realize was part of the problem. And through Jesus Christ, I don't hold it over your head. You call that into the light, and he just removes it. And then all this other stuff, I'm no longer just like desperately trying to live up to some impossible standard. Now I have freedom to just come to God in his love and say, well, would you help me then? Because I'm trying to be patient with my kids, and it's hard. No guilt, no regret, no shame, just freedom. See, that's the picture that God is painting for us. That when I step through the door of the forgiveness through Jesus Christ, God says, wait till you see what life can be like. Wait till you see how in good circumstances and painful ones, I am with you. Because he wants us to get to know him personally. And the way that I do that, I think the way my friend did that, the way Martin Luther did that, is when I open these pages and see what God actually says, I realize it's probably not what I imagined or what I was afraid of. Certainly there are things he calls me in my life to change or ways that he wants me to live differently. And guys, I can tell you, every time that I've leaned into that, even when it's painful and it's like, God, are you sure? Because I don't feel like I agree with this. And then I, so like I wait six months before I talk to God about it again. Every time I actually follow him, 
trust his voice, that he is the one who protects and provides, I always look back and think, God, I should have listened to you six months ago. You were right. This is good. This is better. That's freedom. In fact, I want you to think about those sheep again. I've got a little video here for you. Because when you think about the picture of the sheep that he's giving us, that idea of freedom is exactly what they experience. Nobody's being whipped. Nobody's being corralled. No one's being shoved into anything. They have freedom. They roam the countryside under blue skies looking for food to eat because they know their shepherds are with them. That these are shepherds that are worth following. Shepherds who would do anything to protect them and that if danger comes, it's not on the sheep to protect themselves. It's on the sheep to trust the shepherd. Does that sound like sit still and be a good boy? (laughs) See, the picture is that you and I if we step through the door of Jesus Christ, have the freedom to roam the countryside and enjoy the flowers and find good things to eat because we know the shepherd is with us. In fact, this is how Jesus puts it kind of at the end of that illustration. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And I want to tell you, when it, when it comes to God, a lot of us come to him because we are trying to figure out what happens when I die. If heaven is real, how do I get there? But, but can I just tell you, Jesus wants even more for you than that. That he's not just worried about like, how do I get people into heaven? Absolutely he wants that. But the abundant life that he's offering, that freedom... That joy, that forgiveness starts right now. That's the message that he would give to your heart. It's adventures and wide open spaces and room to roam in ways you never even realize when we release the things that we may have been holding back from God and say, all right, let me just get a foot in the door. So really, I think the fourth invitation is to step into freedom through Jesus. I can tell you, having experienced that in my own life, that's what I want for you. Even if I've never met you before, it's it's just the absolute best thing in the world. Like, I, I want the Bills in the AFC Championship game. I want them to win the Super Bowl. But like, I want you to know what this freedom is like through Jesus. I give everything else up for that. But in one sense, like, who cares what I want? (laughs) That's what God wants for you. That's why he wrote this book. That's why he came in the flesh. So that if there was anything in you that thought God was distant, he says, no, I'm right here. If there was anything in you that thought God was just judgment and wrath all the time, go read Mark's version of Jesus' life. The word compassion is like on every page. That's what God wants for you. Freedom through Jesus. And I would encourage you, honestly, if that's something you've thought about, that you've wrestled with, that you feel like, hey, today, you know, I I probably know that that's what I need to do and I've just been holding off. I I don't mean this manipulative at all, just kind of honestly. Like, none of us really knows how much time we have here. If you feel like God's been putting that on your heart, don't be like me (laughs) and wait six months. Tell him today. 
But maybe as you're listening today, you're like, look, man, I've never been here before, and I'm just kind of checking this thing out. And like, maybe that's where it ends up, but I'm not sure. Well, let me encourage you to just get a foot in the door to freedom. And here's what I think that might look like. You know, it may look like you're ready to tell Jesus right now, you're right, I've been listening to this, and I've known it, and, and I want that freedom. I want to trust you for my forgiveness. I know that I've got regrets, and I want you to take them away, and I want you to be my shepherd. I want to follow you, Jesus. You know, maybe you're ready for that today. But maybe you still want to explore a little bit. And maybe you still have questions. That is awesome. I mean, that's why we're here. I've done that. I have many friends who've done that. And that's what Horizon is here, to help you explore and to help you ask those questions. And so it may be, honestly, something as simple as, when you leave this room today, if you're here in person, the third door on the left we call the hearth room. Because there's a hearth in that room. (laughs) And there's always somebody standing there who's been on the same kind of journey as you that would love to just get to know you, try to answer any questions you might have, or help you get connected. So maybe getting a foot in the door is just stopping by the hearth room for the first time. Maybe there's somebody that invited you here today. Somebody who said, hey, I, I, I go to this place called Horizon, and I think you'd enjoy it. You know, maybe getting a foot in the door is just taking that person out to coffee or to lunch and saying, hey, what is it that you love about Jesus? Why, why, why do you want to follow him? And, and hear what they say. Hear their story. You know, maybe getting a foot in the door is just This is so simple, just coming back next week. In fact, next week in particular, we're bringing in a guest speaker, a gal who is a foodie and loves to look into how God even wants to use food to build relationship with us. And maybe that's something you come back for next week or invite a friend to. And to get you a little taste of it, pun possibly intended, I'm just going to let you tell her for yourself. So let's watch. I'm becoming increasingly convinced that one of the least discussed and most important attributes of God is that God is a foodie. Now, a foodie is one who takes a particular interest in food. And I have an insatiable interest in food and the Bible. So I decided to start searching the scripture, looking for all the mentions of food. Jesus, he turns water into wine. He feeds 5,000. He feeds 4,000. He fills fishermen's nets. He serves brunch on the beach. Around the table, he performs healings and exposes the hardness of religious hearts, including our own. Jesus spends so much time eating and drinking, he's accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. And yet, Some of Jesus' most stunning miracles and remarkable teachings all take place during table time. Now, there may not be a literal table present, but what we see in the life of Christ is that through the procurement of food, the preparation of food, the serving of food, the enjoyment of food, and the discussions surrounding the food, that Jesus is continually transforming lives. And I think that that challenges you and I to take a second look at what Christ might want to do in our lives whenever we gather around the table to eat. So I'd invite you definitely to come back and check that out next week. It's all three services. So whether you come to one of the earlier ones or you come to this one, and maybe you bring a friend to just get to know God personally through something as enjoyable as food. I'm watching that, and I feel like we should all go meet for lunch right after this. (laughs) You know, because as you think about that, 
I think that invitation for you is an invitation to freedom. That, that moment that you feel like, if I, if I take one more step toward God, like, what if I do? I peek through that door, and it's like, there's tambourines and elephants, and I'm not so sure after all. Maybe this is a chance for you to find freedom. In fact, the last song that the band is going to play for us today is about exactly that. It's a story of somebody who found themselves facing regret, facing failure, and instead of giving in to shame or depression or guilt, they found freedom because of Jesus. They're able to sing a hymn, a song of freedom. So as you listen to this song, maybe you just think in your own heart, in your own mind, what might it look like to get a foot in that door and to be able to sing your own freedom hymn? You know that t-shirt I mentioned uh, that I got from basketball? I can't show you it today because I threw it away. <laughs> like I literally had to like physically separate myself from the old mindset I had toward God. So maybe it's not a t-shirt for you, but if there's something in you that you just want to get rid of it, and today say, I want to step through that door of freedom, then I'd just like to pray with you right now. And maybe you use your own words just to talk to God, but maybe you use words like these to receive that freedom from him today. Let's pray. God, thank you for coming to earth as Jesus to show me who you are. I've tried to control my own life, but I know now I want to follow you. I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you for your forgiveness. And today, I'm walking through the door that is Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being here with us this week, and I'd love to see you back next week for Foodie. So come on back, any of the three services, bring a friend. And honestly, if you'd like to just stop by the hearth room right now today, I'll be down there with a couple of my friends. We'd love to get to know you. So thanks for coming, and we'll see you next week.